Well, hello, welcome to NXS Access All Areas, episode 62, based on that theme music, B. We are going straight into the fact this is our special Great Britain episode, episode 62, the, the, the podcast that aims to bring NXS into the Hall of Fame and celebrate their excellence. Hello, uh, my British friend. Hello, would you like a cup of tea? From your British convict here. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> Let's have tea and scones today. <laughs> yeah, well, we thought we would uh, go all tribal and traditional and we will, uh, uh, you know, part of a little package of episodes, we thought we would take in excess to the UK today and uh, dive deep a little bit about their history of, uh, I guess, um, uh, ridiculed B in the early days through the major success in the latter days, which is great. I am so looking for. I, I look forward to all our episodes, obviously, once a week, but this is going to be a little bit more close to home for me, hey? I, I, in 62 episodes, I've never sneak peeked a topic ahead of you or to anybody else or whatever, but I, I will admit that good friend of the program, David Gaunt, I, I, I did send him the rundown three days ago saying, David, I'm a little bit inspired uh, doing something about your homeland, the UK. So uh, it was probably in the wee hours in the morning. I probably woke him up and uh, he did respond <laughs> in kind uh, a few hours later. But uh, were you happy when I thought about putting this topic out at the UK? It's funny you've been speaking to Dave because I've been speaking to him as well. He's, we didn't have in stereo of us two. Pardon, what was the question? Uh, well, I, I thought this being a, a UK edition might uh, be something you connect with too, you know? Well, put it this way, you're going to enjoy after the production because I am so ready for this, so ready. <laughs> right, we've, we've, we've uh, conjured up your inner George Martin and all oh the Oh, my God. Skills. Yeah, I'm just being ping, 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 ping. <laughs> well, throughout the week, I, it seems like well, there's been uh, various correspondence. I've had questions from Danielle and Laurie and different people about, hey, when did Nexus do this? Was this their first gig? And it was a bit like the, the, I think there's an entourage of people behind the scenes who probably happily getting involved in part of this episode B and maybe research and things as well. Oh, there's a lot of research behind us both, I know. Yeah, um, yeah it's been a very busy week, actually. Are you going to ask me yet? Well, I guess we need to ask you, B. Uh, yeah. how has your in excess week been? It's an obligatory question we start the show off with. Epic. Epic, okay. Epic. Do tell. All right, well, today I did a post and I will read the post out to you, what I did, uh -huh. because it's gone off. Everyone's enjoyed it. We've had over 100 comments on it today, which has been cool. So um, the question was that I put to everyone, tell us you are an NXS fan without telling us you're an NXS fan. Wow. The comments we had back. So I really do recommend everybody go on the Facebook and read some of them, but there have been some absolutely epic ones but the winner <laughs> was the the girl that had it the one under the car did you see there was michael on the bonnet of the car it was right. quite funny but and there was tattoos and all sorts of things and and everyone coming out with the lyrics and people saying i got married to you know um, never tear us apart and things like that but i've got to find this picture because i thought it was just brilliant hang on hang on hang on bear with me okay this is brilliant. <laughs> I want to be this girl. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try and don't, don't laugh, Bridget. Stop it. Right. I found a guitar pick in my cleavage with a swordfish on it after a concert once. <laughs> Was that an NXS concert? <laughs> That's brilliant. Aim. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, I've had, I, I'll be honest, I had a bit of a headache, headache today. And oh. as I get headaches, my brain doesn't work very well. So can I be very, very uh, blonde for a moment, B? Okay, mm. I was blonde as a little kid. Um, I didn't really understand what the question meant. <laughs> No, I know you didn't because you answered it in your weirdo way. What did I what did I answer? I don't know. You just put something about soul mistake or something. I'm like, okay, right, whatever. Okay. So it meant without saying I'm an excess fan, right. you'd say something like or show something or say something, and then other in excess fans would understand what you're talking about. Right. So it's like a subtext thing, throw some yes. sort of Metaphor, example, experiencing, yeah. and people go, What is oh. it that you do for work, Hayden? <laughs> Just asking. <laughs> Are you, you a librarian? Me <laughs> you asking me that now? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm, oh, I'm pulling your leg. I'm right. pulling your leg. Anyway, well, look, it seemed to elicit some responses and got people engaging. I, I think my sole mistake answer in uh, Different World was maybe to to Paul Jolly's um, uh, What's Your Favourite Song? I think that might have been a separate post from him. Oh, too. was that a different post? Yeah, I do yeah. apologise. Uh, we can let the, the world know, just very important uh, breaking news, that Paul Jolly is vaccinated fully now. Uh, in case uh, <laughs> you are a little bit scared, you know, in Brazil and uh, Cambodia and uh, the Netherlands, uh, we can let you know the man himself from Southern Highlands uh, Paul, great friend of the program, uh, is fully vaccinated. So wow. there you go, Wuhan, COVID, uh, you know, the, the, the jolly master is uh, COVID-free uh, vaccinated. So there you go. We can't get it up here. We have to just sit and isolate. Listen, listen, you are in the safest neck of the woods in the world. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think anybody within 200 kilometres has had COVID in your area, have they? No, not really. Yeah. Yeah. They say it. To keep everybody else away. Absolutely. <laughs> now, just a, I guess, a bit of a reminder. We are coming off uh, episode sixty-one last week, where we did a little bit of a, a deep dive on the sort of remix album soundtrack uh, of the uh, Deadly Sins, uh, which accompanied sort of the the movie piece or the short movie piece. Thank you to the team at In Excess, uh, who on the website decided to put a link on their uh, Facebook site B, which you were very happy about. I thought uh, you were going to leave that to the news. No. We thought we'd just say thank you early because it's more of a thank oh, you. Well, thank uh, you, everybody. Yes, team and, in excess. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. And did mean we got a, a little bit of a, a rare Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday lift in listeners. So maybe people haven't heard of us before mm-hmm. who do visit the site. Uh, did yeah. happen to Hi. Catch, capture that episode. <laughs> and we hope you uh, go back and look at some of the other ones or, or listen to some of the other ones. So... Uh, which is which is very exciting. Or a listening now, Hayden. Hello, new listeners. Correct. Um, now, if you don't know much about our podcast, and normally at the start of our podcast, we may uh, put some hints and some things there about being a patron or whatever. We do have a patron service where you can contribute a little bit of uh, coin, about, that's really coin per month, and you can actually sort of join us on this pathway or pilgrimage to get in access into the Rock Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a week-to-week podcast that aims to sort of highlight their greatness, highlight their strengths, Criticise occasionally if we think it deserves it, but uh, overall celebrate the uh, the band and the music. And we have uh, an enormous group of patrons who are helping so far, uh, but we can never get enough to reinvest into this particular um, pastime of ours. Do we have any new patrons in this last week, B? I yes. I asked not knowing. So, uh, but you've just said yes, so that's good. Yes, yes we're having one a week now. It's fantastic. Right. But well, this, one's, to you. this is a very special lady. Her name is Jackie Breezley, and she 
she has gone right up to um, gold status. No, platinum, sorry. Oh, platinum. Wow. So, wow, Jackie, thank you very much. That is we're humbled by you coming you. on board and and um, giving us so much money towards the podcast. It um, really does help. Really, really. A name does like help. Jackie Breezley, that sounds rather British. Yes, Would that it does, be right? Doesn't it? Yeah. Breezley. Yeah, we'll it sort we'll of sounds to, like a Britishy name. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to look into that a little bit more, okay. won't we? We always love if we know where you're from, uh, you know, uh, what city, region, country, et cetera, maybe your history and fandom. And uh, I guess for the patrons, B, we have put out sort of profile type uh, uh, templates, I guess, so we can get to know our patrons better and they get to know each other better. That's right. Newsletter goes out every Friday. So you would have got it a couple of days ago um, if you've subscribed to our newsletter via our uh, website, which is uh, in excess access all areas. And here are the rest of the patrons. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Well, hello to our honorary patrons, Nick Eager, Mark Opitz, and Cameron Adams. Also, like to say hello to Sue D, Joe Robbins, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie Ann, Danielle, Sarah Markram, Dr. Jim, Katie, Felicia, Lisa Mack, Anne Marie, Susan Purvis, Foxy, Lisa Urban, Pedro, Mandy, Lisa Calloway, Matt, Linda, Vern, Paul Boozy, Yvonne, Caroline, Amanda, Leon, David, Tracy, Paul Jolie, Sandrine, Warren, Sarah Camia, Susan Brando, Amanda, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Stefan, Val, Jim, <laughs> Marty, Kelly, John, and Jackie. Congratulations, everybody, on becoming a patron to the show. All right. Well, thanks for that, Bird. It's great to hear all those patrons uh, climbing and climbing. Well, uh, just to reiterate, this week uh, our topic, which we do a little bit of a sneak discussion about, is all about Great Britain. And uh, it's probably going to be the first in a series of maybe four to five of these where uh, we highlight uh, in excess's uh, ascent in different markets. Um, as we know and as everybody would appreciate by now, uh, truly speaking, they're an international band who had you know, various careers in different countries with different songs and different timelines. And uh, we know, obviously, Australia was their home sort of uh, country and uh, probably had a career there before they made it overseas. And uh, America probably was the next country that took off and uh, South America and Asia and places. But uh, uh, the UK and Britain and Great Britain itself uh, was probably sort of, you know, last to the dance, but no, no doubt not least. Um, you know, they had a massive sort of uh, impact there uh, particularly between 1989 through to about 1992, 93. So mm-hmm. uh, we thought we would probably start backwards in this sort of uh, oh. uh, deep dive by going to the last market they conquered first. Um, and we'll probably we'll talk about America and we'll probably talk a little bit about Canada, which I'd like to distinguish between America and Canada for an excess at a, at a latter point. Yeah. Uh, love to do a South America type stuff because we get a lot of patrons and a lot of uh, listeners there despite mm-hmm. the language barrier. Yeah. Um, and we'd love to talk a little bit about their maybe early career in Australia. So hopefully this is one of uh, maybe five little uh, subtopics over the next uh, you know few months that we dive deep on a particular country. Well, 
while we're talking about international stuff, I just want to give a shout out to my very good friends, um, Sally and Jason. I know them a very, very long time. And I didn't know this about Sally. She says when she was 16, she was living in Amsterdam and she went to see In Excess in concert. She says she actually went to see the Bangles, but they were crap. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that looks pretty cool to find out. And she's listening. So, hi, Sally and Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the Bengals, a bit like watching the monkeys, you know, in the sense of they're really playing their music. But, you know, kudos to them. I think they did actually play their own tracks and write their own songs. Maybe they weren't the greatest live live performers, you know. But, yeah, great to have uh, listeners uh, reciting those anecdotes. All right, Bea, what's that time? It's time for the news. Hi, it's Dave from England, and you're listening to In Excess Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the news. All right, B, chart watch. Uh, I think I might have got one of my uh, numbers wrong last week. I think I said the number 38, but it was actually 37 where the, the very best of was at. So if anyone's been That's paying better. particular attention, yeah. the very best was sitting at 37. I think I may have said 38 last week, possibly. Um, more negative news, though. It has dropped to 43, which Ooh. is a bit sad. Uh, yeah, so... Is it because uh, everyone's buying the new album? Well, maybe. maybe. Yeah. But you can walk and chew gum at the same time. You so, can. You can. So, <laughs> not in Singapore, but... Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But, um, yeah, it's one of those sort of scenarios there where um, uh, I guess... Uh, we just need to keep reminding people about it and keep people uh, in front of their minds. That's right. Um, in gig updates, uh, a little bit of news. Uh, our friend from Pensacola, our patron, uh, Danielle, did alert us to the fact there is a tribute band in, uh, of in excess, another one in America, mm-hmm. based out of Atlanta. So uh, I know these guys have probably haven't heard much about us and we haven't heard much about them, but possibly after this episode we will know each other and be able to support them on their tours. Um, this particular uh, tribute act, uh, I guess, uh, uh, goes by the name of New Sensation, the NXS Tribute, uh, based out of Atlanta. Um, I guess they tour quite a lot in North America and things, um, and we'll do anything we can to support them if we uh, hear from them, etc., and post things about their upcoming gigs and things. Um, I think their website is inaccesslivetribute.com if you do want to sort of check out sort of the, the, the next series of tours and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, thanks, Danielle, for finding yeah. those. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Feel, feels like there's like a new tribute band every, every week know. or two, which is, which is awesome. Good. Yeah, it's yeah. good, especially in COVID times when we can't get any where so it's good to have them in your own state or yeah country correct. yeah yeah so you know from that sort of point of view uh that's exciting in terms of uh, some of those experiences uh also speaking of uh, uh some of the tribute bands we've highlighted the inaccess experience or kicked the inaccess, inaccess experience a number of times i think they've been touring uh through dates we mentioned recently through uh the the northeast area of america and over towards sort of the eastern seaboard they've already announced gigs next year i believe in april uh as well so uh they seem like almost like a full-time entity b yeah, I do. I do. I think they've done more gigs than us, <laughs> you know. Well, probably, you know, not so in excess per se, but they've done probably more, you know, um, yeah, you know tribute shows than any other band. I think they seem to always be touring and touring. stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not to be confused, there is another in excess tribute act, uh, also called New Sensation, the in excess tribute, who are playing in Adelaide. Uh, I think we might have mentioned recently uh, in August, which is, uh, well, probably only a week and a half away, the 7th and 8th of August. So, 
do yourself a favour with, uh, I think, our uh, COVID rules being restricted in that state. Uh, that gig should go ahead, uh, which is particularly good. And from that sort of point of view, um, again, get out and do yourself a favour and, and, and digest them. We did mention also, I think a, a week or two ago, about uh, a In Excess and uh, U2 gig that's featuring, uh, I guess, a tour called, well, it's called, it's called Vertigo and Original Sin. Uh, I guess this particular tribute bands are probably two bands. I think I don't think they're the one band playing both tracks, but they're a sort of an, a U2 tribute act and an In Excess tribute act. Uh, playing yeah. in Texas in yeah. October. Mm. Uh, I'd so, like to see some footage of that if anyone goes. Let us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good. So, so, so I think there's an original Sin tribute band in Australia. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's one in America, which is good. Uh, unless the Aussie guys are touring there, which probably not at the moment because of COVID. Also, too, I know John Stevens has moved a few of his dates around because of COVID and things, but uh, I do know last week they actually uh, had one of their support bands who I love called Boom Crash Opera not be able to play at one of their gigs. And they had a girl called Sarah McLeod from a band called The Super Jesus that were quite big in Australia in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, played and uh, John's getting rave reviews around the country uh, with what he's doing with both his noise works and in excess material. Um, so uh, again, uh, there are some concerts that are still on the tour that are able to be played. Uh, and there's also um, some changes of dates. Okay that are able to obviously uh, occur and stuff like that. Uh, so that's uh, something that people just might need to look at their tickets and go online. Uh, ladies of a certain age, uh, he's like catnip to them. Uh, so ladies, uh, if you are, somehow sometimes you get overawed by the power that John Stevens has, you might need to move back from the TV because he's still got it and he can still impregnate you. <laughs> All right. And an interesting uh, tribute to the concert that's coming up in New Zealand, uh, which is completely COVID-free, uh, on Friday the 8th of October and Saturday the 9th of October, there's a gentleman over there called uh, Mark uh, Tapiri or Tapari. He is on uh, one of the nights doing a tribute to Michael Hutchins. So uh, it may be sort of in excess stuff, it may be some of sort of the solo stuff and things like that. Uh, which Sorry, he's what's doing. his name again? Uh, Mark Tapari, T A I P A R I. He did that last year as well, didn't he? Well, maybe. I'm not sure. But yeah. here's the other, here, check this out. The next night, one night later, the same venue in Auckland, he's mm. going to be doing a Neil Diamond uh, show. Oh, right. So, <laughs> so uh, I was thinking to myself, okay, it's a double header, you know, two different people doing such and such. So uh, he's mm. going to be coming out and doing, you know, it's one of those dinner type sort of shows there in Auckland uh, down uh, in the marina area there, which yeah. is a really beautiful area to have yeah. dinner and hang out. But, uh, yeah, I thought that's really worth mentioning. You know, imagine a Neil Diamond and a Michael Hutchins, a double shot over two nights. Uh, Pretty talented guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. But I believe you've got some news, B. We're going to throw to you now. Well, it's in excess access all area news, actually. Oh, okay. Yay. Right. Right. Enlighten enlighten me. (laughs) This this is happening right now. We've got the live auction happening. The fan kit is here, everybody. It's ready for you. The original vintage rare fan kit is up for grabs. So go check the video out. It's on our YouTube channel via the website, or you can just have a look at it via the um, Facebook page. Right, I'm just going to go through a few things in here because it's just jam-packed with so much stuff so mary woods has been on our show i can't remember what number it was now hayden was it like 46 yeah i reckon it was about 20 episodes ago roughly yeah 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 so mary used to run the into in excess was her fan service she called it and um she ran it for a good couple of years more when they were in the 90s so right up until when we lost michael so she's got 
all this stuff we've Michael in there as well. There's signatures and all sorts. There's pencil drawings. There's um, there's hand signed card by Andrew. There's Christmas cards in there. There's um, fantastic magazines. It's just jam packed. This great big A4 folder, and it could be yours. So go check the video out. It's on the face on our Facebook page, and it's on our website, which is in excess access all areas. Great. So this is actually an auction item, is it? Something we're going to put up for uh, bidders and things? And, and, a, uh, and there's a guitar pick in there as well. So is this the next auction item, B, that's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. Excellent. Oh, and an MP3. Oh, my God, it's just, it's just ongoing. It's like an absolute, it's one of those gifts that just keeps coming and coming and coming again. It's just amazing. Okay. Excellent. All right. Well, I know the, the auctions have been going great. We've had a lot of support from oh. those and, um, you know, for fan collectors or people who, you know, miss something in their catalogue, uh, there's been some great stuff going out and a lot of it's signed by Tim. So if you do get some of this stuff, uh, you know, well done to you. Well, that's the news. Hi, this is Ella from Middleburg, the Netherlands. You're listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and Dee. And now it's time for the topic of the week. Well, B, uh, that's an interesting introduction there, going back to the early influence days of ska music, which I guess is very topical today with uh, all about Great Britain, Great In Excess, yeah? Oh, yeah, they're full of ska and punk at that era. So what what year did they come over? Well, uh, you asked me the tough question to start. <laughs> did I? This is not rehearsed. Yeah, I just look, they might, they, they might. That's fine. That's fine. Look, they... Look, they I think from my understanding, they might have gone over about 84 after the, around the Swing album because um, a lot of the uh, uh, stuff that I guess we uh, are going to put in our finishing song today does pay a bit of homage to that particular time frame. But uh, um, I thought I'd just sort of give a quick little backdrop around this sort of period um, when NXS started, just for a quick moment, B. Uh, uh, they were very sort of derivative, trying to find their own sort of sound. Uh, very influenced by a lot of British music you could sense from those first two albums, yeah? Yeah, yeah, very much so, like Madness Correct. and XTC, yep. I would say, was in there. Um, well, I mean, they even liked playing Elvis Costello, didn't they? Yep. Although he's, a, he's an American. Oh, I, know, yeah. I, cl- I claimed him as English. Is no, he English, English or American? Oh, he is. Yeah. His real name is Declan McManus, okay? Now, that's going to be about <laughs> as uh, Englishy, that's Irishy. not English. <laughs> well, it's a very Irishy thing, but yeah, yeah. yeah no, he's yeah. he's definitely from from England. Yeah, 
But uh, just just a little bit of a backdrop. There was a band sort of back then called The Specials, who you might remember. Mm. Well, they were for Coventry, which is my neck of the woods. Yeah, so a song like mm. Ghost Town. But The Specials were quite a large band, so they had sort of a brass, a guitar, you know, a yeah. uh, you know, drum sort of uh, Cockney sort of vocal thing going. So mm. um, you can hear a lot of those influences, I guess, from the song we just played and also from the early NXS stuff. And I think the band has gone on record to say it was probably not until Mark Oberts came along that, tried to build their own unique sound and, and come in from a, a fresh palette in his sort of production techniques, which um, uh, we, know is a, we know are legendary. Um, there's another band I've been playing recently that uh, I remember when I was about 11 or 12, a UK band called The Members. Uh, mm. And they had a couple of hits in the UK, but they actually had a hit down here in Australia, which went to number five called Radio. Uh, and the chorus was, we listen to the radio, uh, uh better than the stereo and it's a great <laughs> song and it's funny i can hear it not in excess but i can hear in excess being derivative of that type of ska punk rock sort of type sound oh well let's play a little bit of all that, right we'll we? put a little bit in there for those uh probably in australia where it was a big hit uh, we'll know it Yeah, so that song uh, is catchy as hell and it takes me back to a time in my youth. But, uh, yeah, I, look, I guess in excess, if we look at their sort of trajectory, they, you know, in Australia, they had uh, sort of succeeded, you know, gradually a little bit with those first two albums. Um, but really it wasn't until Shabu Shabar that they really took off. Um, you know, that sort of then parlayed them into America, uh, more so than the UK. Uh, they came back and then re uh, released uh, The Swing about 18 months after Shabu, uh, which, again, they tackled sort of America and... I guess as you've sort of uh, and the team behind the scenes B have done a bit of research, um, you know, they were starting to, you know, look at going into England and Europe and things. And uh, Original Sin had been a number one hit in France. And I guess it's across sort of uh, just the channel there. So they were starting to take on the UK. But um, uh, I know sort of Melody Maker and NME and some of the articles sort of back then uh, probably gave a bit of a hard time, you know, in terms of uh, appreciating their, their music. And uh, I know through some of the, the research, uh, we've unearthed a few articles and a few uh, publications that we may sort of place up on our uh, Patreon page, B. Yeah, I've been deep diving and finding those. I loved Melody Maker back then, an enemy. Yeah. And I used to f look, scour them for NXS at the time because um, they were, I, I believe they went to London a fair bit to record a lot of their stuff before without um, touring. Well, I yeah, the swing I've album was that. yeah, the swing yeah. album was done by Nick Lorne. Uh, That's the, right. The original Sin track was done in New York, as we've sort of touched upon mm -hmm. with Nile Rogers, uh, but the rest of the album was done up uh, at uh, Nick Lorne's uh, sort of production place, and I think Radiohead have uh, since recorded there up in the, uh, sort of the slight countryfied areas of England. But uh, a lot of Australian bands were recording with Nick Lorne around that era. Bands like The Models, uh, Midnight Oil. Um, uh, Silverchair went on to record with him uh, So he's pretty much a famed sort of producer And lots of, lots of great stuff mm. uh, But yeah, they weren't playing as much there But I guess, you know, England was that next sort of frontier After sort of having some success at some level in America And look, they found it hard, you know They you know, had to really begin again And 
uh, start touring in places and small venues and try to win over the press. And um, it was a pretty heady time in that 80s period, that sort of mid-80s where, you know, the, they were competing against that new romantic movement, you know, mm. the, you know the Human Leagues, the Spandau Ballets, uh, Duran Duran, Culture Club. It was a very vibrant time, but it was a bit sort of kitschy and... It was coming into pop and it was just it was yeah, like a bit was, messy. Yeah, so you yeah. had um, Wham coming in as well and yeah. all those um, probably Milli Milli Vanilli were in there yeah. as well. Yeah, well, that, that'll be later. But, you know, I think there was just that sort of synth thing going and, mm. you know, the Swing album probably was the most synthy uh, that NXS had been. But there was obviously some left turns on that album and some right turns and some straight-up rock and funk and like everything, it was probably like in excess always. They're sort of genre-bending most uh, albums with different sort of movements. And they weren't a band to want to be sort of caught up in a movement. Um, uh, they weren't sort of a band that were trying to record for the for that day and time. They always were trying to look, saying, "Was is this a great song? Will this, will this sound good in 20 years' time? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, you know, they probably the cultural Aussie cringe that were happening is that, you know, through the UK, it was hard for us to penetrate sometimes the scepticism of being a down under band and, you know, it probably wasn't helped by other bands like men at work and things like that, that were appealing to that cultural sort of cringe and in excess, we're trying to be international, but occasionally we're sort of being reminded, Oh, you're just these sort of, you know, <laughs> um, you know, convicts from down under and, you know, the, the press were pretty hard on them. Although I think they were starting to build some sort of fan base because, you know, they were starting to get gigs live and starting to sort of uh, start touring in places. But I guess, you know, Chris's, well, Chris Murphy's sort of direction was Australia, America as the primary markets and felt if you got those, England would eventually fall. Yeah, and he had that, his plan, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think that ultimately did happen that way. Eventually, through the way to success, you know, sometimes you get it right in America, England follows. Um, I guess what Chris did, which was quite smart, was he, he generally negotiated different record labels in different regions. So often if you are a collector, which uh, some of the people in this uh, podcast listening group are, you will sometimes see WEA, uh, which is I think Warner's, uh, you know, e, you know Atlantic there, and uh, Warner's Atlantic. And then you've got uh, Mercury, which was their UK recording label. In the early days in America, you would see Atco, which was sort of a, a, a sort of an alternative version of Atlantic uh, for new artists. Um, in Australia, uh, they had obviously their own sort of local labels here. Eventually, through Warner's, I believe, uh, and things. And um, I guess now they have Universal. So. But Chris tried to negotiate different deals in different markets, which which is good in a way because you then had a local presence putting efforts into that region. You had people on the ground from that country, you know, fighting for radio airplay, fighting for, you know, magazine space, um, and you were targeting each market, you know, in its own region with uh, localised people pushing the band's barrow. <laughs>
And that was just a little snippet there from 1984 and July, July the 19th of I Send a Message. That was their very first TV performance on a kids show. It was a kids music show that ran from the 70s right through to the mid 80s. So that was at the end there. They looked very glamorous. Michael had on quite a sequiny girly top and white trousers and they had their mullet still but it was coming on to that sort of very stylish looking they were don't suppose you've ever seen that footage I think it only came out in 2017 onto the uh, YouTube so it's very rare and it's a great thing about YouTube how we can go back and retrieve some of this stuff because mm. unless you had a videotape at the time it's always hard but uh one of the great joys of YouTube people download things or share things that maybe they have taped in their own devices back in those days that's right. How old were you in 84? Yeah. Would you have seen them by then? Oh, look, I've been about four years old, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know you were sort of just post-university graduate, but, uh, you know, we... Uh, I was still at school, uh, I think, 84. <laughs> yeah. But, no, it brings up a good point. I, I think uh, going back to sort of shows that, you know, NXS did appear on, I guess, over their sort of journey going up the charts and things. Uh, uh, I know when they sort of had a little bit more fame and things, they were on top of the pops. Uh, which would have been uh, sort of seen by, you know, quite a lot of people. Mm. Uh, they're on a lot of sort of talk shows and things over there as well and a lot of uh, interview type sort of shows. Um, is it Chris Evans? He's one of the sort of the more popular um, sort of uh, DJ hosts. I well, that was a little married. bit uh, That was a bit later on. He married what, what a Billy about... Piper, didn't he? Oh, yeah, Doctor Who girl. Yeah. But, no, yeah. before that, it was a tube. And the, the tube, tube, of course. Yeah, the tube. Famously on the tube. <laughs> Very famously on the tube yeah. with. Well, uh, I think there was the around about the yeah about about this sort of eighty four eighty five period. He was on there with Paula in the first time. Yeah, yeah. He was on there about ten years later. So yeah. uh, he asked her if she'd like to go up to his hotel room, and she says no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, Fancy sort of saying changed. no to Michael Hutchins. Well, oh my God. That sort of changed pathways <laughs> later on. But, um, uh, but yeah, it, I remember watching that. They played um, Listen Like Thieves. So that was the Listen Like Thieves tour, which I would yeah. have seen them on as well. So yeah. I nearly fell off my chair when they came onto the tube. That was fantastic. Yeah. It's all in these leathers. <laughs> to see in excess doing listen like thieves but then there is my michael hutchins interview which i feel was one of the pinnacles of my career on the tube mainly because i mainly interview michael's crotch and at the end of it he asked me back to his hotel room and i said i'm sorry michael i've got a baby who i never replaced michael hutchins but i'll be able to see He's him the sexiest man on earth and look, I think around that particular time after that episode, uh, Paula quite famously put a photo of Michael on the fridge. So, you know, later. we won't go down the mm. future pathways of all the dramas and things, but uh, poor old Bob in the sort of the mid 80s, you'd go get a sort of a pint of milk out of the fridge and there'd be Michael on the on the fridge, uh, ominously looking at him with uh, with a look of things to come. So. Yes, he used to put, he used to get a marker pen and um, draw a few things on Michael and then she used to just go and get another one and put it back on there. Right, so right. she used to make sure he was always looked after. Fair enough. But that brings me on to how many books are out there as well. There's a lot, um, I was talking to Paul Jolie today because he's, I didn't realise this, but Paul Jolie, um, one of our patrons, great, great patron. Um, he had a fire in his garage and he lost a lot of his collection. Oh. And so he's been st trying to get his book collection together. So right. we've been exchanging what books he's missing. Okay. But, um, yeah, you you saying, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said in these different books. So 
there's not just that one book out there that everyone thinks there is, yes. but you no, know, the yeah. story to story, and then there's a lots of other books that yeah. um, give you different takes on all all yeah. behind scenes. And I thought what we would do, we'd go into chart watch because um, I guess, you know, it's interesting. We often have said that the UK was the last market to probably jump on in terms of the bigger continents in, in excess. So um, interestingly, going back through Wikipedia and through some of the sort of the search or engines and things, there's not a lot of information between sort of the first album, the second album, Shabu Shabar, and the swing in terms of chart results. And I guess that is sort of reflective of just the career, as we've said, you know, in excess sort of probably around sort of Listen Like Thieves suddenly started to get a bit of traction in the UK. Yeah. Obviously into Kick, which went massive, mm-hmm. uh, but then into X and Welcome and then uh, even Full Moon, the greatest hit stuff, uh, Elegantly Wasted. They seem to have, you know, a longer chart sort of span in the UK as time went on versus even mm-hmm. Australia and the US. So, okay. uh, B, I might start with Listen Like Thieves. Um, the album at the time only peaked at 46 in the charts, but 46 back then is it was still a lot of albums sold and yeah. it was still sort of a, a time and a place then when, you know, uh, so much for the record buying public was buying volumes of records. Um, they actually led off in the UK, ironically, uh, different to Australia with the single this time as the first song. Mm-hmm. Um, and that particular song was actually uh, from a film clip point of view recorded in the UK, had some really fantastic light setups there. And it was done by the guys from uh, uh, Godly and Cream who were originally in 10 CC. So uh, that's sort of, I think it's Lowell Cream and Kevin Godley. Yeah. Uh, and these two guys are great. They've written some great songs. They've uh, done fantastic videos. Um, I think they were very famous for doing the police videos around Every Breath You Take and many others. Uh, a lot of Frankie Goes to Hollywood videos and things, um, uh, et cetera. So they were pretty- And even their one that they did called, um, was it Cry? And that was their big hit uh, between yeah. the duo, yeah. Which was very similar to Beautiful Girl video, don't you A bit think? similar sort of Michael Jackson's Black or White, which he- and Black think, and White, the yeah. The idea, very yeah. Similar, all three of those, yeah. So the uh, this time went to 79 only in the charts. So it's sort mm. of stiffed, which the band were disappointed with. And um, I know in the US they went and pivoted to What You Need, which was sort of number two in Australia, and then it, that hit, uh, <coughs> hit number five in America. Uh, but in the UK, what you need only hit 51. Um, the followed, first time? Uh, no, only 50, 51. Really? Yeah, they didn't didn't oh. jump higher than that. No, I think uh, I'll, I'll, I'll mention one later that had a double jump. But Kiss the Dirt uh, was third release. We hit 54. Uh, and ironically, the most successful single there was Listen Like Thieves that matched the album version, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is 46 for the album. It was actually 46 in the singles charts there. Oh, okay. um, but I think as, as you probably uh, contested testify to you went to and discovered the band around that album time they were getting traction um they had you know four hits in the top 100 their film clips were being shown um you know they had a hit in america uh they were getting sort of uh you know front page you know um sort of uh you know spreads on melody maker there there's some um, great articles well, i think that you've this- shown yeah, this is what's making me think, though, and I wish I'd done a little bit more research, actually. But did, you're talking about the popular charts, the one mm. that like, everyone knows about. But we also have the independent charts yep. as well. And I bet they were higher in those independent charts. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, again, they will be, I mean, before you go mainstream, you have to probably have an independent label arm. And I guess mm. uh, they had done that in other markets and things. But 
again, they were probably a little bit more underground at that time in terms of sort of uh, success. Yeah. Um, but you were like, you know, you were almost like a referral. That a friend of you said, oh, do you want to come to this concert? And you were like, oh, yeah, I don't know. And then you saw a picture of him. You're like, I'm there. No. <laughs> That's the story, no. isn't it? Similar. You <laughs> twisted it. <laughs> right. Okay. Please clarify for the listeners. No, she was a Duran Duran fan and I right. tried to be a Duran Duran fan, but I just, and uh, then they went over to Australia and they were talking about in excess in an interview which was in Melody Maker and that's how she found out about them and she said have a look at the lead singer he's more your time (laughs) so yeah it was all on face value of what they actually looked like that I went to see them first (laughs) yeah well you know you guys are very sort of tactile and you know you want to see and touch and smell and you know like see these things (laughs) 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 moving right along Seven albums, numerous world tours, award ceremonies, I've been to the Grammy Awards, in excess are still going strong. And here we are on a cold November morning, and they're in the middle of their British tour. They were playing last night, and we've just grabbed a couple of hours with them. They've taken a bit of time off, and we're going to go on a boat down the Thames to see the sights of London. But yeah, so look, they were getting that little bit of traction and getting a top five hit in America. Um, and the What You Need film clip, I think, was getting a lot of sort of uh, airplay around the world and MTV was really in its sort of sweet spot. Um, you know, they're becoming known there. And, you know, for Chris Thomas, I guess, another UK uh, mm-hmm. link here, uh, yes. he got to produce the band and he was excited. So he was over there pumping up their tyres as well. And he had such a great history of recording for British artists, ranging from the Sex Pistols to, uh, I guess, uh, Roxy Music through to The Pretenders, through to U2. Um, him, him being involved as well was another UK link that, really, you know, I guess in a way, you know, crystallised the band's sound um, going forward. So um, there's definitely sort of that UK flavour happening. Um, I think there's some footage too, B, where, you know, mm-hmm. there's lots of NXS footage backstage, but there's some great footage where I think they're backstage at the Royal Albert Hall, aren't they? Oh, uh, I love that. Yeah, yes. they're all chatting and strumming away and getting yes. ready to go out and stuff like that. But that's such a beautiful venue, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, Joe Robbins went there and Val. Joe yeah. and Val were at that um, venue. Have you it's been there? Sh- I used to walk past it. I used to cycle wow. past it to work. I used to work on that road because right. that's just like behind it's where I It's a beautiful, used to- beautiful oh, venue. stunning place. Yeah. Oh, you've been? What did you go I haven't to- been there. No, no. Oh, right. No, I've only seen it in various things. One of the my favourite concerts was the... Um, the the concert for George, the George Harrison one, which was a, a year after his passing. Mm-hmm. Um, his son, Danny, and uh, Eric Clapton and, you know, Jeff Lynn and everybody put on this beautiful concert in sort of mm. memorial. Uh, Ringo was there, Paul McCartney, and they play all it's, of George's Beatles and solo on, stuff. It's just on the edge of Hyde Park. And right. I always think of the Rolling Stones when they played in Hyde Park. That's right. Great um, yeah. concert that was. But going back to the Royal Albert Hall and uh, 1986, I think that was in June. I'd actually seen them in May, so I'd seen them a month before that. And there's no footage of the concert I went to, but it's great to have that concert footage. But it's no, there's none of them on the stage. It's all backstage and um, the soundtrack. There's none of it actual performance. It's that, got to be. It, that why? particular concert there, were they standalone then or were they supporting Queen then? 
Do you know? I think they were standalone. I hope so. When I saw them, they were sta- they yeah. they were head- headlining. Is this a very special occasion by virtue of the fact that you are playing the Royal Albert Hall? Um, well, when you say it like that, I suppose it is. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. Well, we've never played here. I think every new gig for us is a special occasion. This one is rather different, though. All those little boxes for everyone to sit in. to do it properly. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you've got to be able to, you know, let go to a point and uh, have a good time. It's just where you stop is the big question. Really. Exactly. Also, you know, the, the only sort of <coughs> time that's really not boring when you're on the road is the actual two hours or so you're on stage. Yeah, you're on stage you know. and what you do after. The rest of the time is a lot of waiting. And a lot of sitting around. Wait, the motto of touring. Hurry up and wait, And then you get the long pause and they all burst out laughing. Yeah, I mean, look, they were getting traction there. Um, I guess around that era and then later on, if we jump ahead, uh, Brixton was an important sort of place for them. Uh, there's some great footage of Michael, both in 94 and 97, playing Actually, stuff no, can we go back to 86? Yes, but I'm just having a quick little flutter oh, forward. Go on, then. Go on. Then we'll come back. But, you know, I'm just trying to talk about some <laughs> venues. We're going to be jumping around. Go on. But uh, they did stuff at Brixton, you know, there, which I guess is still played to these days. He does, a, I think, a Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain tribute in 94 uh, there at Brixton. Um, also, too, Jules Holland, uh, who does a fantastic show, um, uh, the Jules Holland Show, etc. there, which is that live show. There's great stuff with him and uh, Andrew playing. Uh, on that particular show, I think they play Never Tear Us Apart. Uh, Michael sings a fantastic version, Suicide Blonde. Can I Andrew. not talk about that? I loved that show. I'm throwing you a bone. You go for it. Thank you. I'm going back to 86 first, though. <laughs> right. so, 1986, they went on to a show called The Old Grey Whistle Test. Oh, okay. Do you know about this Old Grey Whistle Test? No. No. All right, so... Ah, <laughs> 
went on to a very old show that was started in the 70s and went through to the mid 80s and um, it was very late at night so and it, it was these like stuffy old men when I was younger they were mm. like stuck in the 70s but and they used to play some really cool stuff but in excess were on there I nearly fell off my chair again that was in 86 and they got all that you know the military gear on and stuff mm. and it's on, there's, a, there's a video out there it came out in in um 19 in 2017 as again but they all go gray whistle test so i was thinking what what a funny word what a funny sentence to have a music show about so i looked it up to find out what it meant you'll enjoy this right so the name derives from a tin pan alley phase wherever a new record was pressed up it would be played to the doorman Okay, mm. they weren't known as the old the old greys because they wore grey suits. If they could remember a song after one or two plays and whistle the tune, then the record was said to have been passed. So therefore, it was the old grey whistle test. Well, I do like that tremendously. Oh, that is a, that was an anecdote. I thought this is going down a long pathway here, but you know what? <laughs> you, you've come home with the goods because Tin Pan Alley. Mm-hmm. is an amazing era of songwriting. Yeah. Um, and without knowing the full details, what I do know about Tin Pan Alley was effectively, if I could, you know, generally in the US, this was pretty particular. They would basically take singwriters, so singwriters, songwriters into these uh, booths and these recording yes. type booths. And they would work for a wage Monday to Friday and they would come up with these songs. And in those early, early days of sort of rock or pop music, you'd have people like Neil Sedaka, Carol King, Paul Anker, uh, some of these sort of unbelievable songwriters, you know, come out with songs like The Locomotion and they'd go in there from Monday to Friday, have a lunch break, work from nine till six, and they'd just write hits. Yeah. And obviously your, your audience there, they would have to listen and give them the sniff test, or in this case, the whistle test. The whistle test. Yeah. If they could whistle the tune, then it's got, it's passed because it was uh, is popular. They yeah. can hear it. So, cool. getting, so getting back to In Excess and this show oh, and everything sorry. there, yes, so, yes. please please link it in. That would be great. Yeah, so they were on the old grey whistle test, which was an old um, back in in the 80s. It was yeah. coming it was coming off, but, yeah, they were on there. And, again, I, I, I think it was probably before the, um, I saw them, or would it have been, I'm not sure, before they went onto the tube as well, or it was around the same time. So it was mm. like a double whammy. It was mm. really good, really good. Now, you talked about Jules, Jules Holland. Yes. Now, that was a show I loved. Yeah. I absolutely couldn't miss that. I mean, he's right. New Year's Eve um, parties were fantastic. I used to run home for those. They were <laughs> brilliant. If I could tape, that would be another thing. But I think I've mentioned this in, in previous shows, and yeah. I'm sorry, guys, if I'm going to bore you, but when I saw Michael on that piano <laughs> <laughs> in his blue jacket blue and his sunglasses, and I don't think he was wearing any pants under his trousers. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I just could not stop thinking about it when I was at, because me and James was going out to the, it was called the Bonaparte down, down in, um, we were in Notting Hill at the time, which was fantastic um, place to uh, be in your early 30s. And so, yeah, so I, I just ran back. I went, good night, James. I'm just putting the video back on. <laughs> I'm now uh, with Michael and Andrew from In Excess. 
Now, I'd like to take you back to the very early days, mm. if I may. Go oh, back dear. to now. It's 1977. No, yeah. no. When did you all meet? At school? Am I right in Yeah, at school. Uh, Andrew and I met when we were like 12 or 13. Uh, I, I just got back from Honkers and uh, got into a fight. Andrew pulled with me him? out of it. Oh, no. No, not with him. No, no, no. He was, he was a good guy. Yeah. In those early days, what sort of songs did you play when you were first starting out playing? Exactly. The first song the band of it did, I think, was I Shot the Sheriff, which is a Bob Marley yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, um... From there, it's all been down. Down, yes, yeah. 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 Writing your own songs, having yeah. phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. But the, but you toured and you've played in the hugest stadiums that there are. But last year you toured, or was it earlier this year? You toured in small clubs. Yeah. Why was that then? We've been together for so long. We went to find out if we could actually be in a little stage together mm. and still be the same band. And so, relate and stuff. Yeah, you know. You, you have things in in England called pubs. Yes, and, and I know them. I know concept them. concept was carried down in full force to Australia. Yeah. And we have pubs too. Big uh, ones. I Big will, ones. And I must visit your country. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And we actually became uh, the way we are now by playing those pubs. Yeah. And, and so it was important to us to sort yeah, of come a full circle. Same and, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think that's, I think it's excellent. Also, I think maybe one of the reasons that you are such a powerful sound group is because you do play live all the time. Mm. Now, we have here a video of you, I believe, oh, no. from about 11 years ago. Sorry. Um, and I think we could probably look at that now. She's walking, she comes my way. Room, wasn't it? I couldn't see yeah. the others very well. Yeah, no. <laughs> we'll see the others in, in, in this. Later. There's too many of us. Well, just that my final uh, question is this. It's not as much a question. It's, it's this, actually, that I know that, that you smoke one cigar a day, I believe. Is that right? Mm. A couple. I, I have one cigar a day, and here's why. Right. Cigarettes are bad for you. Mm. But if you have a tiny amount of nicotine, I'm just putting it at rest now, it's a medically proven fact, and a little bit of red wine, it's very good for the, it's, it's to prevent senile dementia and you live forever. Mm, really? So I'm looking forward to that staple diet. We will live mm. to be very old indeed. Thank you, In Thank you Jules. Right. Fine young men, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go a long way. Um, yeah, so, so but look, you know, obviously it's just another show there, but uh, getting back to sort of the chart watch thing, um, I guess those shows that they were appearing on or in that listen like these was a little bit of a concentrated effort on the UK market, doing the, mm -hmm. the Queen support tour around Europe and England. Um, as discussed by Tim, they got a hard time in, you know, in front of the Queen fans. Yeah. But I think, I think across England, they were starting to get a little bit of traction and getting four songs in the top sort of, you know, 100 plus maybe some of the alternative charts was helpful. Um, but, uh, yeah, when Kick came along and really sort of took off in America, I think, you know, all the naysayers and everybody in, in England had to sort of relent. And uh, interestingly, when uh, Never Terrace, well, sorry, Need You Tonight did come out, it only peaked sort of, I think, in the late 30s, early 40s. And mm -hmm. uh, through, I think, the weight of numbers, et cetera, there when the band were ready to tour there, uh, they were able to re-release it and end up hitting number two on the charts. And it sort of provi provided sort of the template where, you know, Kick, the album went on to sell like three times platinum. And in the UK, yeah. that's 
300,000 each per platinum status. So that was over 900,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, they released Devil Inside that uh, hit 47. Uh, but I think the, 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 the Need You Tonight was released after uh, Devil Inside because they just, you know, through the record company pressure, it was sort of, uh, you know, re-released after Devil Inside and hit number two. Yeah. Uh, then they released New Sensation. They hit 25, which was definitely a hit. Uh, Never Tear Us Apart, 24. Uh, and the, really the only market in the world that actually released as a standalone single really was Mystify that mm. to this day is probably in their top three or four hits there was actually number 14, which uh, for a fifth single is quite surprising. But my, my feelings are that they're probably with the momentum they got and they were touring, that single might have come out right sort of towards the start or the duration of their, their touring yeah. in the UK. And often a single gets a lot of airplay when a band's touring and just happened to be the fifth single at the time. So yeah. um, I guess the uh, even the biggest naysayers had to relent and give their give in excess their kudos mm. in England for the kick. That's why you need But uh, look, that album hit number nine in terms of its peak sort of rating. But I think its penetration, so beat it being in the charts for a long time, allowed to sell nearly a million copies at the time mm. of this sort of recording. Um, I guess following up to that with X, uh, that album actually made it to number two. Uh, ultimately sold over 300,000 copies there. Um, in terms of singles they released, well, you know, Suicide Blonde, like elsewhere, was released, released first. It hit number 11. Uh, Disappear hit 21. Uh, they went with By My Side as a third single and surprisingly only hit number 42, which, again, is a surprise. Uh, it was a bigger hit in Australia and with the orchestra and the, the film clip, I thought it would have done better. Uh, the Bitter Tears song, Bounce Back Up, hit number 30. Uh, but I think as we hear with X, that was something they promote, actually, even at the, sorry, at the Wembley concert, I should say. Yeah. We're like, we've got a new single out and it's Bitter Tears. So um, that hit number 30. Um just moving ahead with Chart Watch, uh, Welcome to Everywhere. Uh, well, actually, before that, actually, the live album Live Baby Live came out, uh, which basically in the UK, uh, from that point of view, hit number eight uh, and uh, Shining Star hit 31. So that was obviously had some success there in between X and Welcome. Uh, I think when Welcome came out, it was really, I remember, you know, really being excited, thinking it would do well there because they definitely were sort of uh, had really conquered through Wembley. And that was the very next album release. I do remember being very excited to find out how their uh, welcome album had gone after a week's release in England. And in those days, there was no internet. The only way you could find out was getting a publication that had those uh, stats. So I called the bus into town and went to my local music store and bought the Duke magazine and opened it up and I saw Welcome at number one. First Australian band to have a number one album in the UK since Back in Black, ACDC. Um, and uh, as Mark Opitz has said, who produced, you know, that album was ranked in the top five of uh, best releases uh, through Q Magazine and a few others that year uh, in terms of artist releases. So uh, the singles, uh, Heaven Sent, not a big hit, but 31. Beautiful, uh, sorry, Baby Don't Cry, number 20. Uh, Taste It, number 21. Uh, Beautiful Girl, number 23. Uh, not Enough Time, may have been a flip on the, on the Taste It, uh, CD single, I'm not sure it was in Australia and it was a standalone hit in America, but uh, that doesn't have a release on its own. And that was, uh, yeah, Welcome to Wherever You Are, which was big.
Moving quickly on chart watch to Full Moon Dirty Hearts, uh, number three. It's just still a pretty solid result for that. Uh, the Gift, uh, the first single, number 11. Uh, please, you got that, number 50. Uh, things dissipated a little bit after that in terms of singles being released and, and, and chart success. Very, very quickly, Greatest Hits, which was released, different versions in different countries, the UK version, uh, was pretty successful. Uh, it hit uh, literally uh, the Greatest Hits version over there hit number three on the charts and had a single, The Strangest Party, that hit as high as number 12 there. Uh, 300,000 copies sold of that. So uh, definitely a successful uh, return with that. Uh, if we fast forward to Elegantly Wasted, the next In Excess album full release, uh, the album hit number 16 in the UK. The single, self-titled single hit number 20. Uh, the second follow-up single, Everything, hit 71. But after that, there wasn't really anything there. Moving ahead to the next full album release, Elegantly Wasted, three years after the greatest hits. Uh, the album hit number 16, self-titled single hit number 20. The second single, Everything, hit 71. Uh, but there wasn't any other sort of single releases that seemed to chart then, and then it wasn't so much long after that Michael passed and certain singles that were going to be released, like Searching, were withdrawn. Moving uh, ahead to around 2002, there was a definitive sort of best of album put out. Uh, in the UK market, as well as America and Australia. Uh, the one in the UK hit number 15. Uh, moving along to the album Switch. Um, there's not really many figures that are available on Wiki regarding the album Switch. So I know the band uh, were very concentrated on the North American market with Rockstar in excess in Australia. Um, so there's not a lot of sort of uh, metrics about Switch. So I don't believe it obviously did that well in the UK, nor did they focus that heavily there at the time. I guess going across the board, though, B, when we look at some of those sort of albums there and things and the singles, they um, had, you know, really, I guess, as, as, as time permitted, you know, a lot of their latest later stuff after 1990 charted particularly well there and uh, their market reflected that. And I guess the two band members, Michael and Andrew, lived there for a while, which helped too, you know, give it, giving a local presence for interviews and things too. I do believe that. They were in Jossie, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. from a chart watch point of view, you know, it's fair to say they cracked the market. You know, it was probably the last one to crack. And um, I guess as part of our patron listenership is there and our, and the people who, who engage with us, it's great to know they've still got a legacy of fans out there that appreciate what they did at the time. wasted that was it's really really good to be watching again i was sitting in ready to go out and um, it was um chris evans's um what was that song what was it now it was um 
something TGI Friday, wasn't it? He had that show, and Michael's yeah. walking through the audience into different rooms, high five, and and he gets up to that desk, doesn't he? That's right. That's yeah. right. And this was when you know, the public, the the, uh, the publications was all about him and Paula, and it was all nasty, nasty. Yeah. And he came on with his biggest grin on his face, yeah. and everyone was high fiving him. And it was like, no, you know, it's all in the press. It's not the public. It's not the public's opinion. And he just looked fab. He looked like a lounge lizard on that <laughs> show, didn't he? It was gorgeous. I remember James saying, hey, your man's on the telly. Right, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Sit down. Thank you for being on. Thank you for being on such a great show. Thank you for being part of this it great show. It is a great show. show. It's, uh, one of the reasons it's a great show is because you're here. You're just That's part right. of the whole great show thing. I'm trying to do that great show thing. Well, you, you did Maybe. it. Is, is it true that what you... It? Well, it's a theremin. Yeah, no, do you want right. to go I rehearsed it? backstage, but it, it, it's can you play? Can you play Need You Tonight It's a girl it? thing. Is it a girl thing? Yeah, I think <laughs> so. Go on. <laughs> Killed it. You, you just broke it. <laughs> cool. All right. Wow. Okay. Is, is it true that you've End never... show. Is it true that you've never been dumped by a girl? Uh, Is that true? No. Ooh, I, I think I was when I was about six, and that's the problem. Really? Yeah, from there in, you're like, never again. Okay, so, so do you think it will happen again? Do you think you'll ever I'm be sure done by a girl in the future? Hopefully. Yeah, please. Teach me a lesson. <laughs> I mean, right. teach me a lesson. Okay, all right. I don't want to be. Okay. At all. Uh, not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. Okay. How's life been? Have you had a bad couple of years or have you, have you enjoyed it or uh, had a nightmare? What's been going on? Yeah, part nightmare, part fantastic. Okay. You know, bit of both, really. Do you ignore it all? I try. Water off a duck's <laughs> I've back? I've always sort of ignored it all, you know, as much as I can, but after a while it just kind of gets in your face. But you, know. but you hit photographers, don't you? Yeah, I do, mate. <laughs> don't I? <laughs> you do, don't you? <laughs> you actually just punch them, don't you? Yeah, I do. It's expensive, though, you know? <laughs> How much does it cost to punch a photographer? Uh, the last count, £20,000. But you can afford it. It's a, it's a nice game that you play. Yeah, just, yeah. It's, how, many, how many photographers have you punched? I wish I was like Nassim, you know. So you make money doing it. How, how, many have you, how many have you gone through? How many have you decked? Uh, I've, I've, I've decked one, it seems. Cool. Uh, <laughs> the photographic evidence. Uh, I like it. In fact, if you're out there, Dave Hogan, uh, can I get a photo? He's a big guy. Yeah, he's a big guy. Blimey, O'Reilly. Yeah, punched by the best. OK, that's fair enough. <laughs> would you do it again? Uh, yep. Yeah, you would. I, I, you know, you, you don't think about it when, it when it happens. You just, you know, you go, you're crazy and you're protecting things and, you know right. what I mean? No, yeah. oh, it's justifiable. I've just never just tried happens. it myself. Yeah. Do you think never I should, tried it yourself. Should, should I have a go at that? Ah, oh, it should be a national... <laughs> I thought it was a national hobby. Yeah. OK, <laughs> all right. Uh, now, you've not had an album out for three years, is that yeah. right? Yeah. But you've got yeah. one out now. Got one out now. OK. April, April. Now, three years is a long time for a band of such stature not to have an album out, right? Yes, yeah. With the record company, normally, if you're an ickle band, mm -hmm. you've got to do it every year and a half. Yeah. Can you do whatever you like now, cos you're in excess? Can you just... Uh, no, we don't want to do one this year. Can you just be cool? Yeah, kind of. I mean, we were doing lots of albums. We are doing them all the time, like, every year or so. And, then, and we thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold it and get back to just calling each other up and getting together and you know what I mean yeah just like we used to uh, and so you know uh, we've actually managed to spend this much time getting together 
Right, okay. it's fine. Yeah. So you can do what the we hell you like now. Basically, thank you. Well, you deserve it. I mean, you're, you're 37 You've years old. You've got a desk full of holes. You I can know. do what you like. Yeah. Celebrity holes in my desk. Yeah, yeah. You're 37 years old, is that right? That's right. Okay. You once said, I think you once said, but none of these things could be true and you can dispel them. <laughs> this is what go I've read. It. Okay. Wait a minute. Is, you once said that rock stars should never go over the age of 30. Did you say that? Uh, no. You didn't say that, no. <laughs> so my question is totally invalid. Mm. Let's play true or false because it's, it's, it's okay. a good game. Good game. Now, I, now, this is going to seem really silly from me, really silly, right? Mm. But so much crap has been written, right, yeah, about yeah. you, and I've read it all this week, yeah, believe yeah. me. I forgot. Are yeah. you married or not? Have you and Paula got married Not yet? married. Cool. No. All right. Uh, true or false? I didn't know. I forgot. I'm sorry. Not uh, you once said art galleries make you cry. Yeah, I did. All right. Fair. Why, why is that? Yeah, because it's just beautiful, you know. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be able to travel the world, and you, you sit there in front of Venus in the Half Shell by Angela, you know, and you just... It's overwhelming. Right. It's beautiful. Mm. Uh, you've now become a family man and like cooking and baking cakes. True or false? <laughs> <laughs> I like cooking. I, I've never baked a cake. You've never I, baked a cake? I, no, well, you no. should bake a cake. Know, yeah, yeah. It's good fun. Mm. Especially mm. when they come up all right yeah. and... Lovely. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Fluffy. Yeah. We'll come around, we'll bake a cake. All right, OK, I'd love to bake a cake with you. you once True or false? You once invested in an offbeat Australian film, apparently to try and achieve a tax loss, but yeah. it was Crocodile Dundee yeah. and made millions. <laughs> true. True. Is that true? Thank you. Honestly. Yeah. And was the tax loss thing true as well? Would you yeah, say, yeah. You're trying to well, get... in Australia, you know, because they were trying to make films and everybody to write books, and they, they said, you know, you get 120% off the, your tax <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. You, if you invest. You right. know, that's why lots of films came out of Australia. A lot, a lot of them are rubbish, crap, you know. But, but not the one you backed, unfortunately. No. You well, made millions. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah well. We thought it was pretty funny, what but we didn't think it would take off. Okay, true or false, last one. A man used to stand at in excess gigs a few feet away from the stage with a gun in his yeah, jacket and yeah. mouths to you through the concert. Don't worry, mate. Don't worry, mate. Don't worry, mate. Yeah, yeah, George. <laughs> what was George. that all about? George, where are you, mate? Was he protecting you or was he...? Yeah, he used to just always, you know, have, have a, a gun. Piece. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. OK. <laughs> well, I hope you're happy. You seem very happy I am. and cool and very happy. you're looking good. Will you yeah. play a song for us? Yeah, I'd love to. OK, Michael Hutchins, In Excess. Here they go. Yeah. Well, uh, Chris Evans was pretty much at his, well, maybe his peak then, you know, he had Billy Piper on one arm and he was sort of on every sort of, he was hosting award shows and, you know, hosting major shows and he probably yeah, was, he was big. He was mm. the go-to guy, I guess, to uh, be spoken to. But uh, he always looked like somebody who could probably have just popped out of a laboratory, didn't he, to me? Uh, <laughs> I bumped into him once. Did I tell you that? No. He's big. He's yeah. well, not, not wide but he's very tall <laughs> okay. it was um it was it was really i don't know if he was coming back from a club i think i was going to work at the time and he had this big big overcoat on and i think he was eating something at the time and i yeah. bumped, nearly bumped into him <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that was in portobello road as you do yes <laughs> well that members film clip, uh, the song Radio is filmed in Portobello Road. So, oh, is uh, it? Yeah. Oh, I do. I miss Portobello Road. That was mm. my Sunday. I loved it, that market. 
Now, B, I'd like to think you being from England, and this is uh, mm-hmm. your experience in reality, etc. There, um, tell tell us, you know, uh, and I probably did, we did this in our earlier episodes, but you know, uh, from Inexcess's point of view, and being in the UK, I know you sort of found and discovered them there. What's your sort of when you think back to England and Inexcess, what comes to mind for you? What do you mean? In the UK, like think about Inexcess and the legacy there. Does anything stands out for you either when you were there or since? Because you've got this sort of dual sort of citizenship thing. You're, yeah. You're, you're in Aussie now with a banner from, but you discover them in the well, UK. Well, my own personal things. And yeah. then I, I do understand where they sort of lost it a little bit as well with a few other fans. But, like, it's it's so nice. I mean, I didn't know any other, other person that was an in excess fan but me. Hmm. I must admit, I didn't have, like, a group of friends that I used to hang out with and we used to go and see them like what you did. Hmm. You had a group to go around with. But... In excess for me back in the 80s and early 90s, they were like slightly on the underground and they were raw and I just loved them for that. And mm. then they, I felt that they sold out a little bit poppy and that's what clung a lot for the main public in um, in England. They were that 80s pop band. And then they, then when Elegant, not Elegant Wasted, we have a one, the one, um, uh, Mark's. Welcome welcome came out then they sort of like everyone got them again and mm. that reflects in the charts what you've just said there as well well look it's, it's always hard to maintain relevance and everybody you know there's always a different youth generation coming through so you know between probably late 91 and sort of 94 was this grunge sort of yeah. you know, explosion globally you know with nirvana through to pearl jam through to Soundgarden, alice in chains then it led to sort of, I guess, a sort of an adulteration of those sounds and you had your offsprings and suddenly, you know, your nickelbacks and all these sort of, uh, you know, dirge type sort of sounds, you know, Limp biscuit, and you know, it sort of became derivative of a derivative. But um, um, the reality is it's always hard to sort of maintain pertinence and maintain sort of musical relevance when there's always another, you know, generation of people coming through. I think also, too, you suddenly had the Britpop thing happen, too, in England. So you had your Blur versus Oasis between 94 to 98, mm. uh, and that was a big thing, and bands like Pulp and these sort of bands sort of hit the zeitgeist and things, and, um, you, you know, it, it was... I think what you think that, you know, that England were against them because they were Aussie, I really don't think that at all. I think that that's in your head. Well, no, I think the critics were. I think they could separate from fans really? versus the critics. Well, you know, you only have to read some Not of the... the fans, the No, but the, but, but the people who write the sort of the, you know, the nerds who write the sort of the the articles and we're trying to, you know, I mean, certain critics can make... Differentiate them all, yeah. Well, certain critics can make and break bands based them. upon their articles mm. and their audience. So they copped a hard time there. I mean, they could have released, you know, Sergeant Pepper's Bridge Over Troubled Water and uh, Stairway to Heaven on an album. They still would have been ridiculed. So... <laughs> But saying that, though, I found that great article for you, didn't I? Did you manage to see it? It was very blurred. It was by a lady called Caroline. Did you find out what her surname was? No. But but we'll post it up there for listeners to sort of expand. Great article. A new photo that I'd never seen before, and I found it because I used to love Melody Maker, and I just popped it in. And, uh, yeah, she's great, and she's still a journalist now, and she's um, worked with um, and uh, interviewed many artists. Yeah. B, I'm going to play a game with you now, okay? Oh, here we go. All right, All right. well. I'm going to mention a sort of a, a notable person from Britain and you're going to see try link. <laughs> say, say Britain again. Britain. Britain. <laughs> British, okay. All right. I, you know, last night I Googled, what's the difference between the UK and Great Britain? What's the difference between England and the UK, obviously? But yeah, yeah. I only really figured out that Great Britain 
is the you know the major four you know um, yeah. you know countries. But Go on the, then. What the are UK they? is also <laughs> what is it? Your Faroe Islands and your Jerseys and all that sort of stuff too. So anyway, oh, I've been doing my research trying to work well out done. all of these things. So well that, that aside, I'm going to mention some some British people's names, mm-hmm. and maybe you can see if you can link it to the band. Okay? okay, I'll start with an easy one first. Queen. Well, they toured with Queen Fair a enough. few times. <laughs> Jesus Jones. They did a concert with Jesus Jones, the Wembley concert. Keith Lemon. Who? Keith Lemon. Keith Lemon. Yeah. Well, Keith was at the Wembley concert watching them. He's a he's a good friend of Tim's, and he's got many item clothings, and he makes goofy statues of uh, Michael. He loves Michael. Hello, okay. Keith. All right. <laughs> Simon Lebon. Simon Lebon was Michael's mate, and they used to hang out in uh, France a lot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Initially, him and Michael met in Australia, and I think Simon was very jealous of Original Sin and Noel Rogers' production. So, mm, so that's maybe. where they first crossed paths. Uh, uh, there's, there's some nice footage and photos of them partying, and yep. there's one of one of Michael going, come on, Simon, it's time to go home. All right. I'm going to go right. oh, oh. John Lydon slash Pill. Yeah, they 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 uh, toured with them. In fact, John Lydon was uh, they headlined, didn't they? And John Lydon was yeah. um, so uh, their support act. How yes. cool is that? That's and there's a great cool. footage, I think, of Kirk and Gary and Michael having lunch uh, at a cafe with John Lydon, yeah. arm and arm, and drinks on the table. That's I know, right. I know. In John Lydon's book, he was quite appreciative of Inexcess's uh, touring group helping them with their uh, their sound stuff because their speakers, I think, had issues, and they sort of chipped in to help out and. Probably just in line with what Tim said the other week about helping new bands rather than being a prick to them, you know, because they copped it, you know, the wrong way sometimes. Didn't I send you an article about them as well? And they were saying they weren't more, they were more bangles than um, sex pistols. (laughs) (laughs) Next one I'm going to throw out there David Gaunt. Well, the bit that I know, which um Nick's told us is that Helena had the hots for him, didn't she? <laughs> B. B. What? David Gorn is one of our patrons. Oh, sorry. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you're, you're I was thinking, thinking David Gorn. Dave Gahan, you know, oh, from my uh, goodness. Depeche Mode. Well, there you go. There you go. Hey, Dave you know, Gorn, apparently Helena Christian's got the hots for hots you. Hots for you, yes. <laughs> Didn't he know that? We're going to keep that in the podcast. Okay. okay. <laughs> I threw that one to check about. Oh, what about our friend, Nick Egan? Well, Nicky. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Well, they met in America, wasn't it? Nicky's friend said, I know that. But oh, he heard a song and he says, Who are they? I know them. Let's go to see them in concert. Yeah. And before they know it, Nicky and Michael, Nicky and Mickey have um, hit it off and yeah. they're uh, buddies for a long time. And again, we'll say his name again, the fabulous Chris Thomas. Oh, I don't know how they met Chris, though. Well, I think Chris made it, you know, made it known. He sort of saw them in live concerts around the world and sort of really, I think, was very keen to record them and put himself out there. But there is word that sort of he did deliberately turn up at concerts and really hunt them down a bit and was very aggressive oh, about trying to produce them. And, you know, oh. kudos to him and kudos for the band for saying yes. Yeah, and him and Tim are very good friends still. Yeah. Um, Okay, what I thought I'd just refer to now. Hang on a minute. What about Bono? I have I have you two down here. Yes, Bono. Okay. Oh my we... goodness, how could you forget that man? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
look, you know, those those guys were contemporaries. They were uh, oh. competing for a lot of similar awards and fan fan space and things. Um, I am, you know, I guess in a way, never looking forward to the anniversary of Michael's birthday, but I've unearthed some very good footage and some stuff there that we can share on that particular celebration or commemoration this year. Can I just can I just mention what I did this week as yep. well? That that that's just come come on with that because um, I found a podcast. Well, you know we're charting, and I thought who's ahead of us? And it's a guy called Gary Kemp who was in a Spanabello. That's right. Yeah. So um, me being I have no boundaries, obviously mm-hmm. messaged him and said, hey, you know we're doing this for in excess because the first episode that I heard was with Adam Clayton and um, Adam was talking about the villa that he bought from Michael. He Mm. didn't mention Michael, but what he did, he mentioned Tiger Lily and he says he bought it to look after it for Tiger. And then he realized he couldn't. And that's why he's, he's got rid of it. But then I just thought, well, no, I'll reach out. So that was, that's a bit of a, one of those virally things. So Mm. hopefully Gary, if you're listening, if he is, um, can can you talk about us trying to get in excess into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, please? Uh, he's probably trying to lobby Spandau Ballet in there, but you know, if, if they get in there for in excess, <laughs> I'm going to be uh, running naked across the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with in excess on my butt. Okay, well, I mean, I yeah, well, I've been out of the UK for a very long time now, a good seventeen years, and um, you know, he's rock royalty over there, so he could he's got a bit of clout. So come on, Gary. Um, a couple of little things I thought, you know, we are going to have a uh, mention about a special film clip and a song at the end of this podcast, but just a couple of other things, B, I think Dan- uh, part of Dancing on the Jetty film clip was had some yeah. uh, origins in the UK of uh, footage being filmed there. And I think also you may not know, but the film clip for Taste It is made by a guy called Bailey Walsh. He's a British guy, but I believe that was made in sort of suburban London. Uh, no. In the countryside England. Yeah. It looks no. Like, it looks it like looks Australia. Like Australia. No, it looked it like America to I me. No, it doesn't look like England at all. But No. It, it's I don't ma- believe it. It's made it. in a suburban area in summertime in England, I guarantee, by Bailey no. Walsh. Yeah, but it doesn't look like Australia at all. It, no. It, it, sorry, it doesn't look like the UK at all. It looks like Australia or the US. No, but, it looks like the US. Yeah, uh, but I've got a good authority it was made there. Now, by who? Who's your good authority? I just remember at the time researching and, and being falling off my chair going, really? Yeah, you know, so, they're lying. But maybe, maybe you can get onto your friend Tim, okay, and we can get clarification. But um, Timmy's memory sometimes doesn't always remember these things. Oh, he always says, ask MM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, all right, just moving along quickly as we round off things. Legacy. Um, what sort of British sounds and bands and people do you think have actually been inspired by Inexcess's music and things? Because I got one here, a band called 1975. Yeah. It has um, certain sounds there, and the lead singer's got that sort of, you know, lounge lizardy, androgynous, sort of uh, slinky, you know, type of Michael disposition about himself. Um, uh-huh. And uh, to me, also, I guess some of the, the, the dance rock type sounds that came out, like, uh, you know, towards, um, you know, the end of uh, sort of the mid 2000s, like a band like The Bravery, I think they've covered In Excess. Um, I think, you know, bands like Basement and Jacks, who had done remixes for In Excess, but melded that sort of dance rock thing uh, quite successfully. 
um, uh, you know, I guess, you know, from, um, even American bands like The Killers, you know, obviously had big success in the UK, but have cited in excess. But I guess from a legacy point of view, I mean, rock music probably these days is dead. But to me, there has been quite a lot of bands that followed up after in excess, even the Jesus Jones that, that moulded that music that I think weren't afraid, you know, Fine Young Cannibals, you know, there's been quite a few british type bands that have uh, released stuff uh, since, you know, say 1990 that has some elements of in excess. Do you agree? I would like to throw that out to the uh, to the fans, actually, to the listeners. Yep. So if, if you want to answer um, your question there, yep. um, that would be great if you can answer, if you could answer um, Hayden. I've forgotten your name. <laughs> Isn't uh, it Hayden? <laughs> no worries, Frank. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, if you want to answer um, Hayden's question, let us know via the Facebook page. But the person that comes to mind for me, not so much rock, yep. but is Harry Styles. He is so trying to look like Michael. Yeah. So trying to look like Michael. Yeah. Don't you think? Have you noticed? I know uh, you probably look, not I can see looking. it. Yeah, I can see yeah. it. Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, there's so many, so many looks that he's picked. Yeah. Or his stylist has put it that way, and I think you know, you know, we're a very supportive band in the sense of supporting the the bands that were on tour with them. You know, we had the Soup Dragons on a few months ago. Um, you know, we've had you know discussions about the bands we just mentioned who toured with them, like you know Jesus Jones, etc., and mm-hmm. you know Hot House Flowers. I, I think um, In Excess made you know dance and rock and 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 soul and funk um, uh, uh, from a white band you know, crossing over to various genres, you know. Um, they were very popular in Brixton around in, in that area of England, which I guess had a very much a dance sort of feel to it and uh, subsequent trip-hop type of sort of music there that Michael was into. And in excess, we were always big on that type of sort of um, sounds and, and sounds. Well, don't forget that uh, Michael went on stage, didn't he, with Black Grape? Correct. Like oh, that's awesome, that one, isn't it? Mm, yeah. How happy yeah, was he that night? Really- so good <laughs> so good yeah he was a happy chappy wasn't he yeah um and i thought to round things off b uh what i would like us to do on this particular one uh episode as we round off the uk link is do it this you know maybe uh, provide uh this episode or this topic as a bit of a tribute to somebody who was quite intrinsic to in excess in the early days and unfortunately passed away about two weeks ago in australia but the gentleman's name was jonathan coleman and uh, he was a British-born television host who grew, who had most of his early age in Australia, uh, was very successful here. He launched the band on that Simon Townsend's Wonderworld with yeah. Simple Simon. Um, uh, Jonathan Coleman himself then ended up going back to the UK and was quite popular, I guess, over there he in was. the 90s yeah. on UK TV and mm-hmm. then came back to Australia in the last, say, 10, 15 years. But unfortunately, he passed away about uh, uh, 10 days ago. So... Uh, in in honour of Jonathan and in honour to his family and to um, you know Jonathan's early contribution in excess, um, and, and and just again he had a, a this is your life ceremony in Australia and in excess via satellite beamed themselves in from some oh. concert to him. We might better find that and post it. I will. Uh, I yeah. will. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'd like this to go out to him because it's in in line with the band, in line with uh, Jonathan's British Aussie roots and. Um, yeah, we do uh, say valet, rest in peace, and, and best wishes to the family. It's always tough. God rest your soul, mate. Hey, this is David from Derby. Hi, this is Katie from England. G'day, it's Paul from Sydney. Hi, this is Ella from the Netherlands. 
This is Dr. Jim and that's a wrap. All right, B, well, uh, end of another big, chunky episode. Uh, uh, I, f- I feel like I've almost got a British accent at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say? I'm oh, British. We'll a, <laughs> oh, I think I need a cup of tea, you know, which, uh, you know, everything seems to be sold with a cup of tea in England, doesn't it? But, uh, yeah. Um, but, look, fan engagement, that's your big hotspot of the week. So over to you. Okay. I've got a few names here. I'd like to say hello to Elizabeth Ann and Travis Faust, Paula Melville. Um, we'll have a hello to Greg Nugent, Sully Size, Luke O'Sullivan, Joanne Graham. Oh, my goodness, there's so many of you this week. Um, Salib um, Clement, Mark. Um, why have you all got weird surnames? <laughs> they do it on purpose to me. How do you spell this one? S-N-E-D-I-K-E-R. Smith and Canada. Sorry, I'm laughing at your name. Bridget Francis is pretty funny as well. got Justine Delenzo. We've got Rachel Vinny. Oh, God. Mark Bizzerari. I'm sorry. Mark I'm B. laughing. I'm Mark laughing. B. Oh my God. Here we go. Right then. Here's another one. Hey, B, we're going to actually invoke a rule. <laughs> any 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 patron engage with more than three syllables, you're just going to be calling their first initial or their last name, okay? We're going to I invoke can't even the mercy. say the first name of this. We're invoking one. the mercy rule for you. <laughs> All right. Naz- no, Nazia Blake Monogatere. There we go. I'm finishing on that one. <laughs> we used to have this great commentator uh, in Australia uh, on the media. We actually did the news and he also used to do um, the sports uh, stuff as well. But he was a very sort of worldly guy. He was of Greek origin, but his name was George Denikian. Uh, but he would... Uh, be very good at the pronunciations of all the international tennis players, all of the international names. And he would sort of do that great thing where he would break from his English Anglo sort of accent and he'd almost go into that ethnic uh, pronunciation. So he would say something like, Martina Navratilova. Ooh, <laughs> you know? I like it. <laughs> you know, you know uh, Goran Ivanovic, you know. <laughs> you sort of he'd go into almost the dialect and the tone and the accent of the said country. And, uh, Unlike uh, me with my Brummie accent giggles. Well, yeah, yeah. But you yeah, will invoke the mercy rule. Three-syllable B, we'll go back to the initial, yeah? Thank you. Problems. Uh, but, look, we always love the engaging side. I think just to remind people, B, where are some of the platforms that people can communicate and what are all the forums where they're available to do so because there's more than one or two now, isn't there? Tell me about it. It's a full-time job this is, Hayden. Right. <laughs> Engaging okay. with everybody. Okay. Right. So the main place to find us is the launching pad of our website. From there, you can on the side panel, you can go straight What's to the website our, called, though? What do you think? I don't know. You, Get, we, no, you go on, mate. Well, mate. it's not to me. Really, honestly, what do you think you. it's called? No, you tell me. No, well, no, you, you're part on. of doing this for the listeners out I there and people want to engage. Inexcessaccessallareas.com.au. Mm, we haven't got an AU on it. See, you've okay, not been com. listening to me. Okay, but but for the sake of the listeners who would like to engage, okay, all right, where can they find us? Inexcessaccessallareas.com. Okay. All right. So that's the website. But what else? What are some other platforms? All right. So as I was as I was speaking before, I was rudely interrupted there. So on the on the on the right hand side, we've got um, different buttons you can press. So you can go straight to um, the Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, and to our um, YouTube channel, which is 
live at the moment with this great video that I've just done with um, Mary. I'll show you that fan pack that I told you about earlier. Fan kit, fan pack, whatever you want to call it. Um, we also have the newsletter has that got its own page now. So if you're not a subscriber, you can have a look at some of our back issues that we've got. So you can read yep. through those if you want to become um, a subscriber to us. We have got the merch coming very, very, very soon. Very soon. So keep holding in there as well. Where else can you speak to us? You can email us through um, inxsaaa at gmail.com directly if you want to, or you can inbox us through the Facebook page. Okay, cool. All right, we got there. Uh, and in terms of listening, there are various platforms they can listen on B. We've got uh, iTunes. We've got, uh, I guess, um, uh, Spotify. Uh, we have uh, Podbean, uh, Apple, um, uh, tune in radio, I think, as well. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, Google, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, Amazon, Google, Amazon. There's so many different ways you can consume the podcast. So, best way, a- just, just, yeah, best way is just to put us in your browser and see what yeah. comes up for you. Awesome. All right. Next week's episode B. Wow. Okay. We, we did oh. hold back on a, a new topic and things like that, but I do know we're going to be getting into our pleasure and pain next week because we've had about a, a four to six week hiatus of pleasure and pain. So that's going to be coming back next week. Uh, but there will be a uh, sort of a cousin topic to that, which is going to be something brand new for the listeners uh, that we will sort of put out next week. So uh, we will, everything will be fresh next week. Everything will be sort of slightly, uh, you know, not scripted. It'll be a little bit more fresh, a little bit content. Do I need my Red Bull? You're going to need your patience with me. I think that's oh what you're going to God. need. Going to need patience with you, Hayden. Yes, I'll be the wacky professor coming out with all these silly, silly ideas that are in my head. I'll try mm-hmm. to put them into a narrative for you. Mm-hmm. So bear with me. Okay. All right. Okay. Tribute song. Okay, B. I thought I would put a, a song out that we have not played on this podcast yet. I don't think we've even sort of put a snippet on any of the podcast series that we've had. And this is a song in the relative early days of In Excess's Arsenal. Uh, if you know the song, which probably a lot of you do, I think a lot of you would probably enjoy it. Uh, but the video to me is sort of a little bit symptomatic of the early days where In Excess left our shores in Australia and went to the UK. Uh, the song is Burn For You. Uh, it, was, it was the first film clip ever done by Richard Lowenstein. Uh, it was filmed uh, literally up in sort of Mackay in northern Queensland, Uh, I think they made Michael and everyone run around the mangroves and things like that and do some crazy things. But about two-thirds through the film clip, uh, it sort of translates from going from Australia, you know, 30,000, 40,000 people town to London in 1984 with six, seven, eight million people. And you sort of see the band uh, go from uh, Little Oz and the back, back boondocks into London and you see posters and things like that about, you know, them literally going to start again in the UK. And I think in light of our topic today uh, about their climb, well, you know, they, they were superstars really in Australia after the Swing album and, and Shabu Shabar, et cetera. But nobody's in the UK and had to really go do it all again. So I think this song and this film clip and how it's put together um, really sort of reminds and invokes that spirit of the band and their commitment to their craft and their ambition um, of, of just doing it again. Not, not a lot of bands were prepared to do that. So uh, we're going to go out with Burn For You. Good uh, choice. It's, it's a great song. Yes. Uh, it's got a great intro. It's got a great vocal. Um, uh, if some of you haven't heard it before, we hope you love it just as much as, as we do. So in light of that, B, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. Bye, everyone.